0: I speak today to the of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Greece, there are five monasteries that were built in the 15th century on top of a very, very steep mountain. Now, there are two ways to get to these monasteries. The first way, if you're hale and hearty, You climb up a series of wooden ladders that are latched together end to end and make your way up this very steep cliff. The other option is that you ride in a wicker basket that is suspended in midair on a rope, and the monks at the top pull you in with a great deal of effort and strength. For quite an exhilarating and yet terrifying ride, You can ride in this rickety basket, and that's one day. That's exactly what this woman did, this tourist. And then she is halfway up as the basket begins to sway a little bit, and she turns to the monk next to her, and she looks up, and she said, that's an awfully old and frayed rope. How often do you change the rope? looked at her and he looked at the basket or the rope and then he shrugged his shoulders and he thought and he said, well, whenever it breaks. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, most of us will not be riding up in a basket on the side of a steep cliff with nothing but an old, frayed rope holding us up. Nevertheless, welcome or not, we will be asked to take a risk in life. In fact, we will be asked to take several risks over the span of our lives. As the children of God, we are called to embrace and live into the abundant life that Jesus has created for us. It involves risk. There's no getting around it. Even so, I think we are hardwired to be what I call risk-adverse. Often when faced with an overwhelming challenge, a problem, a crisis, a situation, wherever it is, a lot of times we automatically go back to default mode of play it safe. We react by doing what we feel is the cautious, the reasonable, sensible thing to do to avoid a disaster or a failure. It makes sense to buckle our seatbelt, sunscreen, and to look both ways when we cross the street. And I believe this was the mindset of this young servant in our gospel story this morning, the one who had buried that one talent. Despite his very best intentions, he fails miserably. The rich landowner has given three of his servants a tremendous amount of money, wealth to manage. Two are given five talents, or one is given five talents, the other is given two talents, and then the other one is given one. In ancient Palestine, a talent was a measure of wealth that equaled 15 years of a wage. 15 of income. Tremendous amount of money. So the landowner seems to know his servants pretty well. He knows their abilities, their capacity to do good things. So one he gives five talents, the other he gives two talents, and they manage their money beautifully. In fact, they get a 100% return on their for any investment banker, you know that's incredibly hard to do, and usually it takes a great amount of risk to get that kind of return. But he is extremely well pleased when they come back and they give an accounting of what all they have made, and in response, he welcomes them into partnership. All is well. Well, sadly, the story of that third servant doesn't go so well. He is overwhelmed when given this incredible amount of money, more than he will ever see in his lifetime, probably. He feels a great deal of responsibility. He's filled with fear. He breaks out in a sweat as he starts to think, God forbid, literally, what if I lose it all? What will happen then? So he plays it safe. As with the custom at the time, he digs a hole and buries this, a valuable amount of money. Today, it'd be tantamount to putting money under our mattress. When the landowner returns and asks for an accounting, of course, the others are very, very proud of what they're able to present. But things go very badly for this young servant. He's even proud when he comes forward. It's like I didn't lose a cent. It is right here, just as you gave it to me so long ago. But things go downhill. The landowner, instead of congratulating, rebukes him in a most cruel and damning way for not having taken the risk to invest this sum of wealth in a wise way, like the other two servants did. As a result of his actions, or I would say his inaction, he has lost the opportunity to enjoy a deeper, more substantive relationship with his landowner that the other two now enjoy. You see, this young servant missed the entire point of his landowner's intentions. It was never about investing the money to create more wealth. Instead, it was about life. It was about Love. It was about trust. The willingness to take risks when we realize that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. It's about living the life that Jesus and his disciples lived, investing in love between themselves, with God, and even those they didn't know. by fear, their servant failed to see the incredible opportunity he had. Instead, he played it safe and he dug a hole to hide this money he had hoarded. But in the process, he dug a hole for himself, too. He missed out on understanding what it means to be truly alive Trusting in God's abundant grace, that unmerited love that is always offered to us all the time, because he missed out on that, in the end, he lost everything. There is no true abundant life that Jesus calls us to without some measure of risk. If there was a way to get around the risk, I would have found it, by me. To get out of bed every day is a risk. But to be truly alive, we must be willing to take the most bold, outlandish, and audacious risk of all. To open ourselves to love and be loved. And when we have the courage, and it takes courage, to risk loving ourselves, others. Even those that seem unlovable. That's when we know that we are truly alive. That's when we begin to participate in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. To love as he loved. To invest ourselves in ways that we've never thought of with each other, with God have the courage to expand the horizons of our dreams, whatever they may be. Some would say, no, that's not true. Some would say the biggest risk of all is to not risk at all. To avoid any risk in life is simply not living. It is tantamount to death. Being thrown into the outer darkness much like our young, fearful servant. That is not the life we were created for. Years ago, the TV host Oprah Winfrey had sponsored a project on her show that was really fascinating. She had invited her readers, or her viewers, to write a letter to share their biggest dream. So over the week, she collected, she and her staff, all these letters, thousands of letters, from all over the United States. And they shared their biggest dream. And on the day that she had announced the winners of this contest, she surprised a couple of winners and said, okay, I'm gonna fulfill your dream. One was owning their own car. The other was owning their own home. Of course, the audience is cheering, they're excited for this unexpected gifts that were given out out of Oprah's generosity. But after everything kind of calmed down, she got very, very quiet, and she spoke directly to the audience in the studio. And she said, this experience of reading all these letters from viewers all across the country proved two things. It saddened me, and it disappointed me. She said, these people, everyone who rode in, had an incredible opportunity to shoot for the stars. And they failed. They could have dreamed so much bigger, but they played it safe. God has entrusted each one of us with the most precious gift of all. The gift of love. We were created out of love, to love. Through God's grace, we are given the freedom of choosing how to invest this gift of love. And we do it by making choices. And the choices we make matter. They matter to us. Most importantly, they matter to God. Jesus calls us to follow Him, to take the risk. To have the courage to love and live life abundantly, making a difference in the world. And when we do, we help create that bit of heaven here on earth. As I reflected on this passage from Matthew this past week, I kept getting this image of, what if Jesus was here in St. John's this morning, sitting in one of the pews? And then the thought came to me. I wonder how he would respond to hearing this passage in the gospel. Maybe he would paraphrase one of our modern poets, one of my favorites, Mary Oliver, and take a line and paraphrase it from the summer day. And maybe he would just maybe ask us, say, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life I have given? Amen.